Chapter Two of Stories of the Ships by Lewis Ransom Freeman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section Five: Economy in the Grand Fleet. The wind had been whistling raw and cold through the foretop from where I had been watching the night target practice, and my appetite was whetted to a razor edge by the time the game was over and the ship was again at anchor. "'I'm as hungry as a shark myself,' said the gunnery commander, "'but never mind. We'll have a good snack of supper just as soon as we climb down and get out of these arctic togs.' five minutes later the first of a dozen officers who stamped in as fast as their duties were over we were seated at one of the wardroom tables would you rather have ham or sardine sandwiches someone asked both i unblushingly replied unless the sardines are as large as whales a waiter came hurrying through the door in answer to the ring buttoning his coat as though he had been surprised by an unexpected summons a couple of plates of ham and sardine sandwiches and beer all around was the laconic but comprehensive order the old marine smiled deprecatingly as one who has unpleasant news to impart sorry sir he said addressing the commander but the day's bread was finished at dinner sir and the ham we had for breakfast was all we could have today sir and then the wonderful thing happened i had expected the howl of a roman stage crowd to greet the disappointing announcement but it was only the commander's voice that was heard speaking quietly as he rose from the table very well jenkins he said bring us some hot cocoa in the smoking-room a good hot drink's the best thing for a night like this anyway over steaming cups of the most nutritious and sustaining of drinks the commander told me quite briefly and casually something of what had been done in his ship which was thoroughly typical of the other units of the grand fleet to cut down the unnecessary consumption of food the old idea he said that a fighting man ought to be stuffed like a prize steer was discredited by experience long ago but it took the war to jar us into putting that experience like so many other things into practice any man living a non-sedentary life will make a very brave attempt to eat all the food that is put before him but that by no means proves that he needs it if he is working hard enough in the open air the surplus over his normal requirement doesn't do him any harm and so there wasn't much point in keeping it away from him as long as there was food to waste all over the world but when the world's surplus began to be turned into a deficit by the war the opportunity arose to kill two birds with one stone to save food and to improve the health of the men i'm glad to say that we have been able to do both and that moreover with the hearty concurrence of every one concerned both officers and men it's the same kind of thing that could be done with the civil population if only they were subject to the same control as the navy perhaps if an adequate rationing scheme can be devised this will be accomplished generally speaking he continued we have left the navy ration just about as it was before the war with the exception of those staples in which there is the worst shortage bread meat and potatoes the latter could be relaxed now if we desired as there is ample supply in sight 
but to save transport and because we are better off anyhow on our present ration even that item will probably remain as it is indeed great as the actual food saving has been a still more important benefit has been that to our health there are several factors contributing to the fact that the personnel of the grand fleet has incomparably the highest standard of health ever maintained in so large a body of men and i am quite positive that by no means the least of these is the check that has been put on overeating by our food saving measures again i am sure that the civil population would be equally benefited by similar restrictions this incident occurred on the occasion of my first visit to the grand fleet in the late fall of last year but it was not until my return nearly two months later that i had opportunity to gather anything further of the details of food economy then i learned that a strict rationing was only the first part of a scheme of which the second was a waste prevention campaign bread and meat were both further restricted but to the improvement rather than the detriment of the already high health standard of the fleet the bread now served consists of one-eighth potato one-sixth barley meal and the remainder but slightly more than two-thirds of standard flour which itself contains a high percentage of the whole wheat the fleet paymaster of my ship who outlined the scheme to me said that the idea was to reduce waste to a minimum both coming and going we aim to put no more food on the tables of either the officers or men than they will eat up clean jack spratt and his wife are our models we try to see that the platter is licked clean but we don't stop there by any means jack spratt so far as we have any information must have thrown away the bones even if he and the missus did lick the platter we not only save the bones but even go so far as to skim the grease off the dishwater the platter is washed in if you'll run over this report here you'll understand the fadeaway expression on the faces of the gulls that used to fatten on the waste of the grand fleet it is merely a tabulated summary of a week's savings of the things which used to go down the shoes for the birds and the fishes there were numbers running to four and five figures in the table most of them referring to the pounds of various refuse which had been collected and shipped for conversion into glycerin and other useful and valuable products without giving figures which might be useful or heartening to the enemy i will probably be permitted to state that the various headings were the following drippings fat meat bones waste paper bottles and jars discarded clothing lead seals mail bags and tins several of the items would have run to substantial figures even in tons and the money received for them at even the nominal prices paid by the contractor aggregated many thousands of pounds you will now understand continued the fleet paymaster just how it made us feel when we read in a london paper a few days ago a statement to the effect that if the navy had gone in for waste saving in the same way the army had a certain total would have been greatly increased since we've been going into this sort of thing heart and soul for more than a year and since it is far easier to check waste on a ship where you have absolute control of all the incomings and outgoings than on land you can imagine that reading that sort of tosh makes us feel 
well about as we do when we try to digest the wisdom of the naval strategic writers of the type that want to put the grand fleet on wheels and send it to berlin glancing quickly through the figures under the headings opposite the various ships of our squadron i noticed at once that there were considerable variations in their savings and knowing that the number of men did not vary materially on any of them i asked the reason why the flagship for instance with less than half the weight of bones to her credit than ourself was still able to put by something like fifty per cent more drippings it will probably be because we haven't yet standardized our methods throughout the fleet replied the paymaster because different ships may have different ways of going about the job of these particular items you have mentioned perhaps we can find out something by talking to mr c the warrant officer who has charge of the collection of by-products mr c who was plainly an enthusiast launched into the subject with eagerness i've been intending to explain that matter of the drippings to you sir he said addressing the fleet paymaster for the figures certainly have the look of not doing us justice fact is though that the only reason we've run behind the flagship on this account is because i have been encouraging the messes to carry food saving one stage farther by using the clean grease the skimmings from their soup and the water their meat is boiled in instead of margarine with a little pepper and salt most of them like it better even than butter and of course they can use it much more free and since dripping is worth much more for food than it ever can be to make up into soap or explosives i figure i'm on the right track even if it does give the lucifer and the mephistopheles a chance to head us in the grease column i must admit though sir that they've both been gaining a few pounds of second quality stuff by rigging traps settling tubs at the bottom of their chutes in which they catch any grease that has got away from them in the galley i'll be beating them at that game before long though for i'm putting in settling tubs at both top and bottom with a strainer in between as for the bones he went on turning to me that's largely personality bony joe my chief assistant is perhaps more largely responsible than any one else for the fact that we are not only the champion bone collecting ship of the squadron but also head the list with bottles and jars and empty tins with waste paper there is no use competing with the flagship for they come in for an even heavier bombardment of that kind of stuff from the admiralty than we do and as for discarded clothing i feel that a place at the bottom of the column would be more likely to indicate economical management than one at the top but the things that represent a sheer saving the things that used to be thrown away right along they're what it's worth when piling up by every means we can and they're the ones i want to keep heading the columns with and as i said before bony joe is the main reason of the show on this score if you like i will arrange it so that you can do his morning round with him to-morrow i accepted the offer with alacrity for i had heard or heard of bony joe on several occasions already but without once getting my eyes on him the first time was when in order to avoid a howling blizzard which was raging outside i endeavoured to make my way forward to the ladders leading up to my cabin under the bridge by threading the mazes of the mess deck 
bent almost double to keep from butting the low-swung hammocks i tripped the more easily over a box of empty tins and fell with one arm sousing elbow deep into what proved to be a tub of frozen grease surveying the draggled cuff of my jacket in the morning my servant pronounced his verdict without a moment's hesitation tumbling into bony joe's pickings last night sir was ya he said with a grin we're always doing it ourselves on a number of other occasions certain serenical notes which came floating up to my cabin from the mess deck were variously ascribed to bony joe doing his rounds bony joe catching for grease and bony joe singing his morning at i had several pictures of bony joe in my mind but not one of them came near to fitting the handsome strongly built and thoroughly sailorly man-o-war's man whom mr c introduced me to as the bearer of that storied name on the following morning only a sort of scallywag twinkle in his eye revealed him as a man who liked his little joke if you don't mind sir he said saluting we'll clean up these last two flats and then we'll be clear to push along up to my bonatorium and have a bit of a yarn working with neatness and dispatch joe and his half-dozen assistants made rapid progress with their clean-up pick-uppy as the job was everything was really in admirable order bones papers tins bottles and grease each had its separate receptacle the grease was already hardening in large cans the other refuse was in boxes or tubs in each mess was one small tub with a few sad bits of assorted food at the bottom unable to classify this i asked joe what orphan asylum these crumbs were intended for not for no orphan asylum sir he replied with an appreciative grin only for the piggery we don't keep no pigs ourselves sir but the admiral on the x y z does and we all helps with what we can spare they sends round a drifter to pick up the leavens every day or two but lord bless yer there ain't no leavens since we got our by-products machine a-workin if the rest of the ships don't dish out more pig feed than what we does x y z's livestock'll be gettin so thin they'll blow away one of these days this ain't really no place for pigs and gulls no more sir considerable as the accumulation was it was loosely sacked in a few minutes after which it was carried forward to the hold where the repacking for shipment was carried on this consisted largely of protecting the bottles with straw forcing small tins inside of large ones pouring the grease into larger cans and putting the bones into stronger sacks joe said that he called the place his bonatorium partly because bones formed the largest and most valuable item of shipment but principally because they were his favorite products the one he took the most pride in collecting even the few days accumulation of refuse on hand was of huge bulk i saw at once how important a work was being carried on and had no envy for the pig or the gull whose lot it was to live on what is now thrown away by the grand fleet mr c was called away at this juncture and left cock of his own dunghill bony joe became at once his own natural self the sailorly man-o-war's man disappeared in an instant and only one of the drollest characters in the british navy remained behind 
i'll be showing you how i goes out to drum up my bone trade he said throwing an empty sack over his shoulder and replacing his beribboned cap with a crumpled velour of the omberg type found it in my pickens s'pose it come from one of the officers he added parenthetically giving the queer headpiece a proprietary pat with his free hand now here's what i sing to em make it up myself too with a quick double shuffle he began footing it up and down the junk-cluttered deck of the bonatorium singing in a voice which cut the air like the whine of the wind through the radio aerials about all your dead and dying about all your bones and fat about the stiff a little willy and i'll give you my at course i don't really give em the at sir explained the singer stopping for a moment in his march the at's only a bait but just the same they leaves out the bones and fat all right that night they heaved a bone just back of my ear safest way for four of us to form a holler square and so perfect the flank so to speak another thing you heard me sing eve out little willie just now well most times i sings it eve out the kaiser's daughter meanin a queen sophia greece cause she's a rum one for fair uh, knowin that in the wardroom it warn't the custom to mention a lady's name in the public like that i brings in a willie instead but why celebrate the young hohenzollern in song at all i asked in perplexity i don't quite trace the connection between the dead and dying and bones and fat and the earthly remains of little willie i ain't celebratin em explained joe i'm abominatin em so to speak my reference is to the dead and dying soldiers the kaiser cooks up to make glycerin from i brings in sophie and willie just to make em feel how they'd like it if it was their turn next having cleared up this point joe began to shuffle again mother thing i sing em is the follerin he said heave out your bones bottles tins fats boots and shoes if you don't heave out you'll sure to lose cause then i'll pinch the all blinkin lot myself and take it from me i does pinch him too he added stopping in front of me again likewise any other refuse like overalls and such left lying round where it ain't ought to be sometimes they gets em back and sometimes they doesn't serves em jolly well right for being careless at this juncture i began to search my pockets for a piece of paper upon which to jot down the burden of joe's cries never mind sir he said cheerily as my hands came up empty there's always whatever you're needin in the stationery line in my waste-paper department he threw back the cover of a huge box and at almost the first grab brought out a scented sheet of pink note-paper which except where some one had written dear kitty just a line to tell you i am in the pink and hoping followed by a blot and a grease spot in the middle was just as good as new this do apartment is both my joy and my sorrer said joe pensively digging his arm deep into the soft depths i sells the story a orsino pin and a greaves jewelry catalogue both complete this morning and i've laid by some american papers of pittsburgh i believe for you sir but the tantalizing thing about it is that's always missing just look at this for instance sir 
and he fished a greasy fragment of paper from a pocket of his overall and handed it to me in a highly appropriate atmosphere with the scent of fat to starboard the fragrance of bones to port and the ineffable odors of the crumbs grudgingly allotted to the x y z's piggery rising from the depths of the tub on the rim of which i sat i read the following just this and no word more a sweet-smelling savor one some rave about the subtle scents of araby and end of camphor and of ambergris of sandalwood and musk the poet chants the praises of the violet and the rose and stately lilies standing by the dew-drenched lawns at dusk two my lady loves the lavender with slender the lover loves whatever perfume the cowslip's simple fragrance the pine woods spicy three but far beyond all the smell of it fair to drove me crazy huntin for that missin piece said joe with a hurt sort of twas ever thus expression in his eyes and i felt it a special turk cause i write poetry and songs a bit myself it was just workin up to a climax and i'm wonderin all the time what it was that smelt better than ambergris and musk and roses and lilies and all the rest Dispose, sir it cause a been that stuff they put in a brilliantine and he ran stubby fingers through his hair in an apparent endeavour to waft me a whiff of the odour which had been there the sunday before the last coaling a frivolous impulse prompted me to bid him ask the x y z's pigs but the look in his eyes sobered me and i said i felt sure it must have been attar of roses as that was said to be the most expensive of all perfumes joe returned the fragment to his pocket a brooding shadow sitting on his brow there was only one thing ever fussed me more and not locating the ends of that poem sir he said sadly beginning to fumble anew and that was this the greasy fragment which he unfolded and handed to me barely hung together at the blackened creases but well no one who has ever watched wardroom firelight throw its rosy glow over the pinky pages of la vie parisienne will ever fail to recognize the flimsiest wisp of it blowing before a winter gale that the wrong side sir said joe as i took the sheet tenderly and began to puzzle my way through a chart which was averred to be some sort of barometer of the emotion excuse me sir but this is the way no, no not like that you've got her upside down there that sir and rather what's left of her now what do you think of that for tough luck it had been just the usual la vie picture nothing more or nothing less a frou-frou of lingerie a flash or two of pink cuticle and the rest was torn away what makes it harder to bear said joe mournfully is the fact that it ain't often that the orficers let the picture pages drift this far forward the wardroom i had picked up the parley loo pages often enough but a picture nary a one and now when this one comes it's rift off just when it gets to get good suppose some orficer trying to save matches used the best of her to light his pipe with i think that i did quite the kindest thing possible under the circumstances 
when i patted joe sympathetically on the shoulder and assured him that so far as my not inconsiderable experience of la vie pictures went there was nothing to indicate that this one got any better on the missing fragment and that i felt quite confident that the bester had not gone to light the officer's pipe apparently a good deal cheered joe returned lightsomely to shop and told me with much gusto of a great find he had that morning in the shape of an orf pound of all of beef hidden away in the angle of a bone his first impulse he said had been to report the careless cook to the fleet paymaster but on second thought he had decided to say nothing and contribute the morsel as extra ration to his mess that way he said philosophically i'll stop the waste just the same and yet won't start a ruction with one of my colleagues that might throw me collectin machinery out of order nothing like cuttin down friction in this ere economy game there is a bony joe on every ship of the british navy to-day could we not do with a few more like him in civil life as the time draws near when the hope of victory rests more and more on personal economy and universal saving. End of section 5